This episode is brought to you by Revel Snacks, R-E-V-O-L-S-N-A-X. Now, I have to say, I personally ventured down the keto path mid-2019 and really struggled initially. I felt like I was missing out on the little joys in life and couldn't enjoy any snacks or desserts. Then I came across Rebel Snacks and haven't looked back. They are by far the most delicious health food product I've ever come across. I mentioned that I'm a fan of keto, but these are the perfect option for paleo, vegan, or just overall healthy lifestyles. I try and eat as clean as possible, and these snacks are incredibly clean. It's a company that truly cares about their ingredients, uses organic when possible, and is mindful of our on-the-go lifestyles. Check out Rebel Snacks today and use code MUSICTHEORY10, M-U-S-I-C-T-H-E-O-R-Y-10 for 10% off your first order. Now, on with the show. Welcome back, Rhythm Section, and thanks for joining another very special episode of the Music and Theory Podcast. I'm Mike, and as always, joined by Steve. And the meek shall inherit the earth. <laughs> yes, they shall. Yes, they shall, Steve. Well done. Happy New Year. We're almost there, and Merry Christmas to you. Hope you had a good one. Yeah, man. And uh, to all of our listeners out there, hope you're finishing up the year strong. This is our last podcast of the year, and well, last one of the decade when you think about it that way, too. Wow. So, yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Dude, that was heavy, man. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, obviously, you know, we need to catch up a little bit. I know there's been a lot going yeah. on here, a lot going on there. Why don't you start us off, Steve? What's the latest? Well, you know, Mike, my most valued friend, um, it's good to be back with you again. Always. Always. And, um, yeah, man, you laid that on me. I don't even know what to do. I think I've just <laughs> met, you may have to literally drop the mic and just go home. That's it. But, uh, Calling it quits. Well, I'll tell you, what, what, one thing that is driving me insane is I put this um. You know, we, I told you on the previous cast, we had some construction going on at my house, mm -hmm. minimal construction. We were basically just putting up a wall or two downstairs in my basement so I could have this new mm -hmm. office to work in. And, and also when we do these, record in, have a special spot for myself. It's nice. But it's bordering the outside wall. And this time of year uh, here in the U.S., it gets pretty cold. And <sighs> I'm pretty sure a mouse died right outside the wall. And my office reeks. It absolutely reeks. So this is brutal. So hopefully we get through this hour. And if, if you don't hear me responding, it's because I've passed out because of the. Uh, how do you know? I was going to say, how do you? I, well, I guess, so you know, bad. it doesn't smell good, obviously. It's so yeah. bad. My wife get a cat, man. Yeah. Just get a cat. You no, know, that's there. what my wife keeps pushing me to do. I'm not a cat guy. I can't do it. I just can't no. Do I don't it. mean. I mean, like temporarily, just borrow a cat <laughs> just, from somebody to go to work. Rent a cat and give it back. And I love it. Yeah, um, do like Uber Kitty. Yeah, in my, LA, they my wife Uber came Kitty. down and she put some essential oils into my uh, the humidifier in here, and uh, I don't think it's doing a damn thing. You are literally just masking <laughs> the problem. That's it. You're not. You're not getting at the issue, my man. But uh, uh, what have you been playing? What have you been listening to, Steve? All right, so I'm going to give you a couple of things here, man. So um, let's start with this. So I, you remember, we were, we have been talking, like you have been the voice in the back of my head for so many things <laughs> in good, it, you know, positive, good. Ne never, never in a ne negative way. You're always like the angelic voice. Nice. Because right? I can, I can do, you know, uh, diabolical all on my own. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I kept saying like, you know, Mike, I think I should play. Mike, I think I should play. Mm -hmm. And your gentle response has always been like, well, it would be great, man. And then finally, like in the last 45 days, I was like, Mike, I'm just going to do it. You're like, I don't know why it's taking you this long. 
I'm very Stop excited. Stop talking about it. Very Your excited. clown shoes, like get a guitar and go. Yep. So that's all I needed. So now I've got a PA in my living room. My mm-hmm. wife is like, dude, like where, what are we like? Really? Like, is this like the bitter end? Like, what are we doing here? You know? Love it. So I got that and I had to get, you know, a Taylor acoustic electric cause I have acoustic guitars, but none that one, none that I want to bring to a bar gig. And have some dude, you know, spill a white Russian on my drink because I'll go or on my guitar because I'll go nuts. I love that you bought a Taylor, by the way. You know, for, man, for, you were like Mr. Martin for so long, and I'm, I'm just, I'm thrilled that you're part of the club it, with me. It, it hurt world. me a little bit. I had a Taylor, <laughs> I had a Taylor many, many, many years ago, and I loved it. The reality, though, is the sound, yep, on its own, mm-hmm. is not nearly as good as a Martin. And I'm not I'm not denigrating Taylor. I'm saying if you have it in a room and you're going to mic it or you're just going to play it, mm-hmm. Martin has the advantage. However, if you're going to play this thing on stage and you want like comfort and just playability yeah. and uh, electric sound, mm-hmm. I hate to say it, but Taylor takes Martin all day. There's mm-hmm. no way. So finally, I got a Taylor 614 CE. The thing is beautiful. That is awesome. Um, so I've been playing a lot. So I got a set list, and you know, Mike, I sent you the uh, the Spotify playlist. Yes. And if you want to share that, we can. Yep. I, I have a feeling it. I'm going to get ridiculed by the rhythm <laughs> section to be like, "Where's the Skinner and all this stuff?" Right. Yeah. But but I got you know I've got some Dave Matthews who I grew up with, and Mayor Petty Van Morrison, a couple mm-hmm. of hits here and there. So I've been playing a lot of that stuff, and I just listen to it on shuffle all day long. Love it. So it just gets buried in my brain, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't mess with it. Uh, but two things I watched: two documentaries. You know, I'm a sucker for a documentary, especially music ones. And um, I watched this one called Revival about Sam Bush. Okay. And I think we've talked about this, but mm-hmm. Sam Bush is like the father of newgrass music when it comes to mandolin playing. He's absolutely fantastic. He gets name checked all over the place, but he's like one of these people who people don't know who he is mm-hmm. unless you're inside the music cognoscenti. You sure. know what I mean? Yep. Um, so it was awesome. If you can, it's like an hour and a half and it was on, uh, prime and oh, then, um, yeah. And then there was life on four strings about this guy, Jake Shimabukuro, who yes. is like this, <laughs> who is this like virtuoso ukulele player. If you're saying right, apparently it's ukulele. So I'm not going to mess with the, uh, the Hawaiian pr- pronunciation there. But the coolest thing I ever heard, somebody sent me this one day. He plays while my guitar gently weeps mm-hmm. on the, on the uke. And it's, I think I heard that before. Face melting, dude. Yeah. I was like, this is a guy playing the whole thing. Like, he's playing the melody line and the chord changes. It's unbelievable. So I, um, I, I've, you know, been playing that, watching that. And then, uh, what I've been listening to, you know, it led, there's a bit, (laughs) there's a group and it's, and it's electronic music, but it's called Aphex Twin. Mm. I don't know if you're, I don't know if you're familiar with Aphex Twin. You know, I'm not an electronic music guy. I know our you know, section is going to get on. It has that. a place. Yep. It has a place, uh, and I and I do love it. Um, but then I told you I finished Flea's documentary. It's called Acid for the Children. Oh, not documentary. Uh, biography, right? Yeah. Um, is that really geez, the title? Of Acid for the Children. Indeed, it is, my man. <laughs> well, I mean, it's Flea. Like, did you expect something else? You know. Oh man. Uh, but a lot of the stuff he checks, he checks really great movies and really like avant-garde movies. Really, you know, books that um, you know influenced him in music. Mm. Which is, and he's a big rap guy. He likes a lot of different music, so you got to give him credit. He is definitely an artist, and he's definitely a musician. Played the trumpet when I was he was gonna a say, kid. Trumpet like, player, right? Yeah, his father he too, was, right? or something. His was yeah, like a big jazz step, guy, maybe stepdad was like mm-hmm. an upright jazz player, mm-hmm. upright jazz bass player. There you go. 
and he was listening to jazz from when he was a kid and he said it impacted him and that's mm. why he became you know, a musician but uh, but he named so many bands and I went back and listened so I was listening to the Dead Kennedys and I was listening to Echo and the Bunnymen you know like all this stuff that's great from the 80s and it was it's so great and again I've been listening to all my gig songs so stuff that I haven't listened to in a long time like Big Head Todd and the Monsters when was the last time you listened to Big Head Todd maybe never <laughs> maybe never Maybe that song never. bittersweet oh, and it's man. all right like these tunes are brilliant man yep but yep. um that's what i've been doing and playing and you know i'm driving my my wife and kids nuts because i keep playing the same songs over and over and over again but uh you know that's how i felt when i started playing with this band uh because obviously you want to really work on and refine those songs so for my wife and kids you know every day they'd be hearing the same 10 12 songs whatever it was and after a while they just you know you get so sick of it <laughs> so but be it it's kind of what you got to do right i mean there's really no other alternative sometimes she'll say throw your headphones on but i'm like come on Come on, Mike. There's no yeah. off on the That's genius it. switch, my man. You got to just keep going. I've, I have two settings: crush it and make it happen. That's it. Moving on. All right. So I've been listening to and playing some some different things lately. Um, had pretty cool daddy daughter time while I've taken some vacation uh, here towards the end of the year, and I uh, bought some microphones for my girls to sing in while we were playing. So we were breaking out some "Zombie" by the Cranberries, which sounded pretty dope. Um, R.I.P. Dolores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was kick-ass, though. It was pretty cool. So we were having fun with that. Um, I had actually been playing, and Steve, you'd be proud of me because a year ago— I'm always proud of you, just FYI. I love it. I love when you tell me that. <laughs> About a year ago, there's no way I could have done this, uh, and certainly not as well as I was able to finally get to— uh, now, but I was playing Long Train Running by the Doobie Brothers. Oh, and I'll never so forget, good. actually, probably on one of our earliest casts, all of a sudden you started busting that out. And I was like, holy shit, how is he doing that? And for the better part of the year, you know, I've, I've every once in a while I just come back to it and come back to it and come back to it. The other night, I feel like I finally nailed it, you know? And it's just amazing. You keep working at stuff and you get there and it's so you feel really good about it. Yeah, you it's know? gratifying, man. I'm not good trying for to sound you. cocky or anything, but it's you feel like you finally got over a hump. That was a challenge for so long. So that was cool. It's an odd right hand, left hand strike it and really hammer is. on thing. And yep. if you, you'll you'll get that. It mm. takes time. I mean, well, good for you, man. It, it's totally gratifying when you're like, you can hear it, but you can't play it. Mm -hmm. But then you hear it and you can play it. And you're like, that is awesome. So good for you, man. That's great. And then just today, actually, before our cast and also last night, I was working on Say It Ain't So by Weezer. Such a cool song. Brought it's the, uh, so good. I brought my uh, my Frankenstrat down a half step and um, was working through really the entirety of the song. Got through the solo pretty well. Now I'm trying to work on some of those filler licks in between. They're pretty cool, but another great song. Just really cool stuff. You know, those guys don't like – well, I told you the Green Album is up there for me when we're right. doing the album once. And, and I think – you know, people poo-poo that that cover album, but it just goes to show you how versatile they are. Like, yep. you know, Rivers Cuomo and those, the whole guy. So anyway, good for you. No, that's good stuff, man. Speaking of uh, albums, actually, as a matter of fact, and uh, don't think of me as, um, you know, I don't know, some, uh, I don't even know what the word would be, hipster, trendy guy to try and do this, oh, but I've go. started to get back into albums, actual albums, physical albums. And there is a record store not too far from here, actually, uh, that I've gone to now probably twice in the last month and a half or so to look for certain albums. And the guy's got a great inventory, great selection. Actually, I even talked to him today about potentially having him on the cast one of these days. It'd be cool to interview nice. you know, a record store owner these days. But anyway, while I was there, picked up a few that I plan on hanging on the wall in the office. So I uh, got Disraeli Gears by you know, oh, Cream. 
Wow. Uh, I picked up Electric Ladyland with uh, yeah. Hendrix. Hendrix. And yeah. then I also grabbed um, uh, Live at the Fillmore with uh, you know the Allman Brothers. Oh, the Allmans. Oh, where they're all yeah. sitting on the gear. Oh, the yeah. Fillmore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. So grabbed those three today. Really psyched about them. Had them playing earlier. And uh, it's so funny because, you, you know, I love the sound of vinyl. I absolutely do. But it's been so long since – there he is. It's been so long since I've actually played a lot of them. So you forget that you can't do certain things the same way. So I'll be sitting here listening to a song and I'll, you know, I'll scream at, like, the Alexa in the room or, or try and get – uh, the song to go to the next track without physically having to go over Not there. Not gonna happen. Like, oh yeah, I got to get up across the room. Can't be a fat ass. Got to go over there and actually move this thing. So, <laughs> no, nah, dude. But it sounds so good. It does sound so different. I love it. It doesn't make you sound like a hipster unless you say it's. It only sounds better on vinyl. Because I'm like <laughs> a lot of the people who say stuff like that weren't even alive when the music yep. was recorded. Sure. Um, and I'm looking at the Live Alive SRV and Double Trouble album you oh. gave me right now, man. This thing is phenomenal, man. Thank you again. This you is, I mean, I look at these guys like Tommy Shannon and like Reese Winans and Whipper Layton. They all look so, yeah. Stevie always looked a little yep. beyond his years because he was doing a lot of he drugs. He's pretty beat up, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but his hands are like tennis rackets, man. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I'm looking, but no, good for you, man. It's, it's, it's worth it. There's something to, um, listening to that stuff on vinyl. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you. All right, very cool. 100%. Nice. Well, uh, good catching up. I think that was pretty much it for playing and uh, and listening to. Boom. So without further ado, let's get into the episode 16 topic. And I'm uh, going to call it, quote unquote, key contributors to bands. And I what, I mean, what, by that, what I mean by that is the best piano slash keyboard additions to a band uh, to make them a more complete picture. Now, we're not talking today about the Billy Joels and the Elton Johns of the world. You know, we're, nope. we're not talking about those classical musicians either who have a great career as um, key, key players. What we're really talking about is you had a band and then there's a component of that band where if you were to pull that piece out, they sound totally different or they've added such a unique flavor and flair to it that it makes them more uh, identifiable. So those are the types of groups we're going to talk about tonight. Um, Steve, why don't you get us started? Give us your first one. I would love to, Mike, my friend. Um, All right, dude. Uh, Number one with a bullet here. I'm going to open up with uh, Genesis, Tony Banks. Genesis. Excellent. And you're probably thinking, um, you know, some of the some of the more recent hits, you know, the Phil Collins ones, but yeah. Tony Banks and, you know, I'm going to say Insufferable and, and the Internet's going to blow <laughs> up and everyone's going to be like, here he is again with Insufferable. It's the new beast. There's Remember, a lot of Insufferable you and I, people like, we, out there. That's it. Well, no, there probably aren't. I just find them to be, but, you know, um, but, you know, you and I talked about this, like we got a text or something like that that yeah. said, like, there's a drinking game when Steve says beast, right? So I'm just it like, oh, true. for fuck's sake. Now I got to knock that off. A lot of drunks out there. Less, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say less people are just absolutely mangled like throughout the day. <laughs> so I got to figure that out with insufferable as well. But, dude, Tony Banks, for 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 the a little bit of arrogance that he has, mm-hmm. the guy's a brilliant keyboard player mm-hmm. and he is the backbone of that whole band. Mm-hmm. He's one of the guys that has basically been consistently in it, you know, apart from, um, I guess, Mike and, and Phil. But, yeah. uh, dude, you know, on, on Selling England by the Pound and Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, like, those are great. And he changed with the time. But I think you remove him from the band and you don't have the same band, right? Again, it's this isn't like an Elton or a, 
you know, that sort of thing. But uh, I, I think I think they're fantastic. Right? Now, do you think uh, in terms of Genesis, obviously uh, many people – you know, split it up into two distinct time periods. We've talked about that as well. And uh, forgive my ignorance for not knowing this, but was he around for most of both periods or was he one or the other? No, Banks has been in it for Forever. the whole of the, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was there with Gabriel as the lead guy. And you think he was more prevalent that, or he was more showcased in one side of it versus another? Earlier on, I think they were doing some really, exp- I mean, they were, I mean, look, the, earlier on, they were prog. Like early Genesis is weird. They have odd, yeah. gen- they have odd time signature music mm-hmm. and the lyrics are out and Gen and, you know, Gabriel was on the stage dressed like a freaking tree and all these <laughs> yeah, things. That's but, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I think it's different. It mm-hmm. became a bit more piano ish than prog ish when it. they started, but that's mm-hmm. just how a band evolves, I guess. I see. And, and, you know, um, Collins's voice drove them a little bit to be a bit more sort of pop and that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. Not that, and I, I think they get ridiculed and pilloried unnecessarily. That's just my take. But he, he, you know, again, you, you got he's got to be recognized for his achievements and accomplishments, and I'll, I'll give him that. Absent Tony Banks, there is no Genesis. I like it. Wow, bold statement. Yeah. I'll take it. There it is. And yeah. uh, let me take you on to my first one. And this one is a little bit of a cheat, just because. Uh, it's more of a person than the bands that he was in, but I felt like every time he was in a band, it added such a unique dynamic. We're going to talk about Steve Winwood and in particular his time with Traffic. Yes. But Damn you. when he was with Spencer Davis Group and then also um, Blind Faith, I mean, my goodness, I, I, you hear the melodic tones coming from the keys in the back. And so obviously good. the guy could sing too. So you have that kind of unique uh, ability, which, you know, I don't think you get that often. I mean, obviously you just talked about Phil Collins and obviously he's another one that can sing while playing the drums, which, you know, we're not talking about yeah, lead guitar too, players. Yeah, yeah that's does. right. Yeah, yeah. I always think about like Don Henley too as another classic voice that could play a outside of guitar instrument. But Winwood is another one that just comes to mind. And every time uh, I hear songs from Traffic or Blind Faith, always listening for the keys portion of it. Um, I mean, In the Presence of the Lord, right? Blind Faith song. Just great. I think it's organ probably in that song. But in many cases, uh, we're talking just straight keys. And for that period, I think that was really something that a lot of bands were striving to incorporate was elements of either organ playing or just straight keyboard and obviously this is before the synth times uh, in the 80s but for many of uh, the bands that steve winwin was with i think without having a another accomplished musician to work alongside some of the greats he played with you know the bands would have been very one-sided i mean obviously blind faith with clapton you're sitting there, you have arguably one of, if not the best, guitar player of all time. You need something that can help keep pace with that. Uh, same thing in Traffic. Dave Mason, incredible guitar player. And uh, you have to have another instrument alongside that can also play solos and also provide some backbone to those bands. And I just think uh, all the work that Steve Winwood was able to do should should not only be on this list, but certainly somewhere up high. Uh, what do you think, Steve? I agree with you, man. I mean, his voice is like super iconic and instantly recognizable. Um, I mean, feeling all right, and yep. um, yeah, great piano part in there too. Dear yeah. Mister Fantasy, John right. Barleycorn, all uh, glad dude. That tune yeah. is badass. Like, I you know, th- there's he, he's awesome. There's there's no two ways about it. So you're you're going to pick the artist there, not necessarily. Well, I guess you pick traffic. I'll go so traffic, but yeah. yeah, really anywhere where Winwood's been, yeah, I think it's been great. Yeah, he's 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 an absolute animal, and uh, his voice is so great too. Um, 
you know, and, and there is like a YouTube clip of him playing like a Martin D 40 or like a, a double lot 45 or something like that in front of a fire. Um, can't find my way home is the tune he's singing. I mean, it, it, nobody can sing that. Tune. Yep. And yeah, he's playing a guitar, but you're just like, oh God. So anyway, it just goes to show you his versatility. But yeah. I agree, Steve Winwood. Well, and you, and you killed me because I had traffic as well. <laughs> um, I will jump to a more modern one. Okay. And I am going to say um, Porcupine Tree. Ooh, Porcupine and Tree. Richard Barbieri is the uh, the keyboard player. Stephen Wilson was really the guy who like started the band and I think started the keys and stuff like Very that. Very nice. But if you don't know them, they were introduced to me uh, by a colleague of mine, and uh, it, it's I have to say I really like them. It, it's it's Prague, but it's like harder Prague, if you know what I mean. It's not quite like Dream Theater, yep. you know. It's not that. And those guys are just virtuosos anyway, right? I mean, you don't need yeah you don't need anyone to tell you that. But this is really great, like just the way the keys take over and it's very symphonic and there's a lot of stuff going on. And I think you pull Rich Barbieri out of the band and you don't have the Porcupine Tree. You could argue you take Stephen Wilson out of the band too and, and you don't. But I, I really like the Modern Fino. There's a tune called Piano Lessons, which of course is probably you know aligned to what we're talking about here. In terms I only of... came across them from this podcast, to be honest with you, when really? we were talking about them a few months back. And, uh, and then all of a sudden I was like, Wow, how have I not heard of these guys before? And I did start listening to some of their newer, more contemporary work. Uh, it was a little more alternative, which I think leans a little bit more towards my interest rather than the prog work. But I was definitely able to recognize their, their talent and ability right away. Very impressive band. There's an album called In Absentia. And if you want to rock that one, um, that's a great album for anyone who's looking to like. Because with new bands, I think everyone is kind of like looking for that jumping off point. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's funny, like when people ask me about Rush, I'm like, all right, everyone wants to hear like, like, quote unquote, the prog stuff. And I'm like, start with moving pictures. Like everybody knows the song Tom Sawyer and everybody knows the song Limelight. And then you can branch out from there. You can't jump into Rush with like Fly By Night. People will be like, wait, wait, what? You're right. What what is this? And you hear you right. You're getting like Fly By Night. Like (laughs) people run for the door. You know what I mean? And you're just like, oh, Jesus, man, you got to hear so anyway, I, I really like Porcupine Tree. That tune in Absentia really did it for me. I listened to their other stuff too, but that, that would be my second one. Very cool, Steve. I dig it. Okay, uh, let's flash forward. I mentioned it earlier as a decade, but we'll go into the 80s here. And I'm going to hit you with the cars and Greg <laughs> Hawks specifically. Now, the nice thing about Greg Hawks is that he was really with the cars for the duration of the time they were together. And even more so, uh, again, recently, as I think they're trying to get back out there, despite obviously the significant loss of uh, their lead singer not too long back. Yeah. Michael Casey. Rick. Yeah. But uh, Greg Hawks been with them forever. And when you talk about bands of the 80s, as we did in our episode uh, when we discuss the 80s, yeah, man. and you talk about the Cars and really a lot of other bands around that time, Keys and specifically Synthesizer and Synth Riffs were so telling of the time, of the period, oh, yeah. and of the band. Very identifiable. There's no mistaking it when you hear it. And that's one where, my God, if you pull that out of that band, I mean, they're still a great band, but they are not the Cars. And, that, and it's just, no. without question, the Synth is really what keeps that band... Uh, an 80s band and delivers the type of music and the tone I think they were searching for. I do also find it pretty unique, and uh, off the top of my head, I can't name a song where it happens, but I know I've heard it several times in Cars music, where the guitar is almost synchronized with the synthesizer, and Mm. some of the solo work 
it sounds eerily similar uh, in that the keys are either trying to match the guitar or vice versa. So like almost like playing off one another. So it's not just like this backbone synthesizer beat that's trying to keep pace. It's actually an additive part in almost a lead fashion in a lot of ways too. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I thought Greg Hawks was a good addition to this list and I think the cars belong on it. That's a great one, man. And you know, some of the eighties, cause I, I have some honorable mention bands in here and you, you could probably pretty easily go through a lot of them and just say, well, the keys, right? Because the keyboard was a, was a huge part of a lot of that music, but I agree with you. If you pulled it out, number one, they had longevity, right? It's not yes. like the cars were a one hit wonder, but if you do remove it, I, I totally agree with that. I think that's a great call. Cool. That's a great call. Well done. Thanks buddy. Um, I am going to go back in time again, cause I was <laughs> modern with porcupine jury. I'm going to go Rick Wright from Pink Floyd. Okay. And Floyd. I don't know that you, you don't have a, uh, a Pink Floyd without the keyboards. I mean, it, it, it evolved from really trippy on like Piper at the gates of dawn, um, and more and Amagama and all these crazy conceived albums. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you move into like animals and dark side and, uh, you know, it's, and wish you were here. I mean, there may even the more modern stuff like Division Bell, like Rick Wright, like doesn't get a lot of credit. He didn't really play on the wall mm-hmm. uh, because just Waters again was just you know he was he was sowing the seeds of the band's demise right there. But, yep. Um, but I think he's. I mean, and and I can I can vividly remember him talking on classic albums about lifting a chord from Kind of Blue by Miles Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, and the song is called All Blues, and it's like. Um, and it's really cool and the way it moves around um there's a chord called d7 sharp nine oh of course and he uses that and then he uses another one d7 flat nine now guitar (laughs) players like my head popped off when i heard d7 sharp nine but if you're looking if you're a keyboard player you know all the you know all the the notes right so d7 d f sharp a c natural Mm -hmm. right sharp nine now you have like you, you have a basically a an F in there. And that yep. doesn't, that there's, that doesn't make sense. You have F natural and F sharp in the same chord. Mm-hmm. Tremendously dissonant, but it moves to other things like now flat nine. So you have an E flat and then it goes to D or to E minor. So it really resolves really well. You got an F, you got an E flat and then you go to E. So mm. they knew what they were doing. I mean, he really, 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 really knew what he was doing. And we do say music in theory and we often do not talk about the theory of music sure. on this, but I just did. So people just dropped or passed out while I went through that. Listen, I appreciate that. that. And, and I really do because what you're describing uh, is something I actually feel strongly about. When I started playing uh, guitar many, many years ago, I was obviously awful at it, knew nothing about the instrument and learned a few basic open chords. It didn't make sense to me for 20 some odd years. Then obviously I met Steve and we started talking through some music theory and it really opened up my eyes to say, wow, we need to think about the guitar in a different way. So I actually started learning piano at the same time. And while I was learning piano, because it's laid out in a linear fashion, as opposed to guitar, which is up, down, left, right, every which way, it's a contra code. Um, the, the, the piano, the sharps, the flats, the sevenths, the major sevenths, etc. It's much easier to figure out. So if you have a son or daughter out there that's trying to learn an instrument, I don't care what that instrument is, have them look at piano first because it really does help lay that foundational element to everything Steve just described. And if you ever want to get to a stage where the guitar makes sense to you, I think the piano has to make sense to you first. But 
Very, very good point, I, Steve. I agree with all of that. And, uh, you know, the guitar is a horribly conceived instrument. It really right? is. It's just no sense. It's all in fourths and then yep. it gets to third and then it's back to fourths. And you're just like, uh, like we were saying, I mean, the one cool thing about the guitar is you can play unison notes. You mm. can't play unison notes on a piano. It's one note, right? Mm -hmm. C440 is C440. That's it. That's all you got. But you can play it in a lot of different places on a guitar. So there are some cool things. You can't bend notes really on a piano, mm -hmm. right? You can on a guitar. So anyway, that would be me. Rick Wright, Pink Floyd was an absolute master. You know, like rest it. in peace. I like yeah. it, Steve. Cool. Um, okay, this one I don't want to say is a stretch because I do think it's a huge part of this group. But I'm going to go with Springsteen and the E Street Band. And, wow. you know, over the years, Springsteen has had probably like five different key players, uh, piano and keys players, uh, as part of the group. And a lot of people just associate Springsteen as his band, but the E Street Band really is something that helped deliver that message and provided the same amount of energy that he did day in and day out. Um, Springsteen himself also played some keys as well, and you'll see him do that periodically in certain songs. But nonetheless, I think over the years... Those bands where they're able to deliver these multi-instrumental pieces that aren't just your core three or four instruments uh, stand out and add something different. I think if you take keys and even, I'll say, saxophone and a few other instruments out of the E Street Band, it's, it's a totally different setup. And you probably get something that's more reminiscent of a traditional you know, classic rock band, uh, but by integrating these things in the way that they did in the very up pace tempo, a lot of jazz influence, uh, mm. key players in that, in the group there too. I think it really makes it very unique. And I think it's something a lot of fans look forward to when they go see Springsteen live. I unfortunately have never seen him live. Uh, I would love to at some point. I hear it's like a church-like experience in the way that it just lifts you off your feet. But uh, at some point, got to get that done. But yeah, I'll say Springsteen, along with the association of keyboard and piano players he's had in the E Street Band for a number of years. I echo what you said. I would not have jumped right to that. And I like the pick because it's not a person, mm. per se. It's mm -hmm. a number of beats. It's an instrument. I yep. know that sounds a little nuts. But there's a couple of here on, on my list where you've got the band and you've got... Um, a couple of different people like i agree like you take clarence out of that band it's different mm -hmm. stevie different not i don't think that big a deal nils lofgren maybe ski alpha maybe but the, the keys are a big deal right you hear it you always hear the always very flitter they're very fluttering yes. and yes. sort of lilting and i agree with you that's a good one that's i again not, it would not have been my first but that's I, a good I way like to put it the there. fluttering because you do get a lot of that in those songs. yeah it's it's very it's it's, it's on the higher register yes. and it makes you kind of want to salute something you know what i'm saying <laughs> like, this is amazing but uh, no good call man that's a good call um all right i'm gonna go modern and we go in little industrial and uh -oh. say nine inch nails how do you feel about that Holy how do you shit. feel about that well let me ask you this question first because go. i know that they are industrial i cannot name yeah. another industrial band are they in is that the only industrial band like are there other bands and i don't mean to put you on the spot but no, whenever someone described them to me once because i was never a nine inch nails fan and i known very little about the band other than that trent yeah. reznor's in it and well he's the band <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. He's the guy. He's the so. I guess what I would say by industrial is like if you were going to create that genre, like mm -hmm. he's the guy. Like he's a brilliant musician, has a great ear, plays the piano, mm -hmm. writes all the music, does all of the Jeez. the 
drum parts, and then he he tours with a band. It's mm-hmm. kind of it's not unlike James Mercer from oh, Shins, okay, where he's like the whole thing, Got and it. then just like gets people and goes out. Interesting. Now he was using it in, in in true piano form. He was using it as triggers for certain things. He's using it as like a a noise device. So he he really he definitely he he's definitely a, a creative force if you want to put it like that. I'm not mm-hmm. trying to romanticize it too much. But absent that, the use of it, the key is not only a piano instrument, but the key as writing music yep. and making music in, the, in terms of the drum sounds, backgrounds, you know, all that type of stuff. Um, it, it combines elements of like, I don't know, you know, like Giorgio Moroder, the guy who wrote like he wrote like a lot of dance and house music as it was coming up and he was using it. He had mm. a click track. He had a lot of stuff going on behind it. That, Reznor did that, but with more, with like way harder music. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So, I'm gonna go. You know, Trent Reznor, Nine Inch Nails. That's my call. So that's pretty cool. And, and it's tough. Know, yeah. It's again, it's one of those bands that I don't know enough about. Um, yeah. They've been around forever, and God, everyone had that T-shirt right growing up. Oh, with the ad, with the yeah, backwards yeah, end, yeah, but yeah. nobody knew anything about it. You know, they just liked the T-shirt. <laughs> that's it. You know, that's great. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna go much more. I'll call it traditional uh, yeah. rock and roll. We're going to go back in time a little bit, and I'm going to hit you with the Beach Boys. And in particular, we're going to focus on Brian Wilson wow. and you know his That's organ riffs call. and the piano in Wouldn't It Be Nice, uh, some psychedelic sounds, you know, certainly that you got out of him. And I think, obviously, he put all this together. The man was a genius. Yeah, uh, organ in good vibrations, right? He had some really great iconic tunes where I think because of Wilson's writing and his integration of the organ and piano periodically, it helped to get them away from some of the more uh what's the words the like gimmicky surfer boy um uh, songs yeah that sounds right and i think yeah, it helped open the door yeah and helped them open the door to really more of the sophisticated side of music that led them into pet sounds ultimately and and a few other albums shortly thereafter but but nonetheless i think the beach boys as a whole uh would sound very different if they didn't have keys and i think having brian wilson at the helm there were other keyboardists uh, and piano players over time with the Beach Boys, but really Brian Wilson to me is probably the the most important that they've had. You know, that's a that's a great one for a lot of reasons. I mean, you, you could probably just put him in a category all by himself, so irrespective so of true. piano or not. I mean, you, you remove him from the Beach Boys, there really is no Beach Boys, right? Like he conceived of all those vocal harmonies. And like somebody told me about that, they sent me a YouTube clip where they isolate just the vocal harmonies and mm-hmm. they do that on this documentary about pet sounds. Uh, like who's coming up with five, you six, love a good seven harmony. part harmony. Yeah. But you know what though, dude, it's like the voice is the most natural instrument at yep. the end of the day. Like I before agree. humans created anything, they sang, right? Mm-hmm. So like when people figured out, Oh, I'll sing that note while you sing that note. And here's a third one. And here's a fifth one. on th- That's brilliant. Like it's hard to do that. If you can look at a piano and hit two notes together, you're good. You can't always guarantee that vocal harmony is going to work. Somebody's mm-hmm. going to screw something up or be flat or whatever. Um, it, it's very difficult. So anyway, we're getting off a little bit, but I, I, that's he had to learn that from piano. That, it, that's very difficult to learn just by ear. Yeah. That's great. Um, well, look, I'll take us back to Tradish as well here. Nice. I'm going to go John Lord from Deep Purple. Deep Purple, um, wow. And that's probably not a band you're thinking of out of the gate no, having, uh, I don't. 
you know, you've got Gillen singing and you've yeah. got Richie Blackmore yep. just tearing it up on guitar, right? You're, you think Smoke on the Water, but the reality is a lot of Smoke on the Water in the back mm-hmm. is John Lord playing the keyboard too. Huh. Now, obviously, the opening is all Shrat. Yeah. That's all Richie Blackmore. Mm-hmm. But in any of those tunes, like Highway Star, where you have like that vamp where it's like, that's all John Lord because apparently Blackmore did not like playing rhythm. Really? So he just played lead, and he was just like, "No, you, you've you've got you've got the rhythm, John. Just take it from there." And there, and it's just, am I wrong though? That's exactly how Richie's like. I had spoken to John on numerous occasions about not wanting really to play rhythm, and he sort of really had no choice. Did he? And you're like, "What a dick!" And I, you know, it's funny. I think the dude literally lives in New York. I think he lives on Long Island. Really? Like on oh, the North yeah, Shore. Yeah, he play- yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. that and is he true. plays these yeah. fucking like minstrel shows, like mm. these medieval minstrel. And I gotta, we gotta go see like one of these someday. It'd be hilarious. That'd be but, cool. yeah. um, but I, I, John Lord, Deep Purple, the guy's brilliant. Like the solos on a lot of those tunes in rock or, or uh, Machine Head, it's brilliant. So mm-hmm. you remove him, you only got four guys, you take him out, that's a big deal. Or is it, uh, no, it's five, sorry. Um, but still, irrespective of that, it's a totally different band without the keyboard. I like totally it. Different. I am going to have to go back and listen to uh, some Deep Purple to really so appreciate that. Because you're right. I always just think of Blackmore. think of classic guitar riffs. And, you can't uh, help it, right? Uh, I mean, the solo for Highway Star is like iconic, you know? Yeah. But uh, no, Lord, check it out. He's, he's the guy behind the guy. So Nice, man. All right. Very cool. Okay. Let's go into – we're going to go into – I'll call this uh, classic prog. All right. And we're going to go Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, uh, Keith oh, Emerson. And Keith Emerson, really... again, being – so we had Greg Hawks earlier when we talked about the cars. Yeah. Uh, Emerson has been with ELP the entirety of their duration as well. Yep. Yeah, and yep. when you talk about a defining sound, uh, I mean there's no mistake when they come on. That's what it is, just like with the cars before. It's very clear. And Keith Emerson I think was someone who reinvented – the uh, the soloing act of playing organ and synthesizers and pianos to really make it, I don't want to say all about him because obviously there were a lot of heads in that band, three in particular, yeah. <laughs> or maybe we're all two very out of good. three that stood out. But, but in any event, I think when Keith Emerson wrote some of those introdu- uh, intros, uh, some of them being intro solos, um, they come on, you know exactly what song it is right away. And it was during a period probably where certain bands were trying to experiment, but there were probably only two or three doing it the right way and correctly and trying to break that mold of your traditional classic rock and get into that progressive movement. Uh, And I do think by having uh, Emerson on the synth and playing some organ, it was something that was very defining for the period. So Emerson, Lake and Palmer, Keith Emerson, Steve, what do you think? I, I love it because it was one of mine, so you stole it, um, <laughs> or just jumped the gun. How's that? Oh. But no, it's brilliant. I mean, he, he his his playing is unmistakable. And he's bending notes, and he's got the cool sounds and in, in the uh, in, you know in in the settings or whatever it is. And and to me, he's more a synth guy. Mm-hmm. You know, if you know yeah. what I'm trying to say. Um, but it's still it's so good. I, I got I, I I was like. There's nothing to add to tell you the truth. I didn't so good. look this up, and I can't prove its validity. But I I heard something somewhere about him sticking knives in the keys of the organ to let them sustain a single note for extended periods of time. 
while he was soloing. Wow. I don't even understand how you I've do never that heard or that. what happens with that, but I did see it somewhere. So if someone wants to verify that for us, it'd be very interested. There's got to be a better way to do that, though. <laughs> no, it's sticking knives in it. Like, who does that? Yeah, maybe you get anyway. a pedal. Come on, man. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, you guys aren't making man. enough money. Or get a roadie. Times are tough. Times are tough for the LP. We're sticking knives in our organs. Get a roadie to hold down the one up. Be like, hey, come here, Bill. And just like put your finger, you know, that sort of thing. That's, it. That's amazing. Nah, ELP is a great one, man. ELP is a great one. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Battle of the Prague okay. here. Okay. And I feel like why? Why are all of our bands Prague? Well, not all of them, but a lot. Of we them. did. I'm gonna go. Lot. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. I'm gonna go. Yes. Okay. Going Rick Wakeman, Tony okay. Kay, because uh, they were the probably the dominant forces there. Sure. So good, and it's again unmistakable. You take a keyboard out of yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have yes, right? And yep. you can argue, you know, you take Steve Howe out. He yep. wasn't always there, and he isn't there really now for the most part. Um, and there's still yes, but he had a lot to do with it. But without keyboard, like Wakeman's amazing. He's doing classical stuff. He's doing prof stuff. He's doing organ, piano, synth. The guy was just unbelievable. Tony K, same thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, for me, I don't know how you have yes without the keyboard. So I don't know how you feel about that, but it's it's almost the same thing as the ELP. It's it's very similar, and you know we may have even discussed it in one of our versus episodes when we went back and forth on the different artists in ELP versus Yes. Um, but yeah, they're so comparable. Man, you flip a coin, you can't go wrong in either one. Yeah, it's like the same band. Uh, it really is very <laughs> on similar. some level, right? Instrument oh, oh. for instrument. I mean, it's, it's so impressive and so so defining of that movement that was progressive uh, rock that time 100 percent. very cool okay um i'm gonna give you my last real one and then i have an honorable mention i'll keep off yeah, to the side my last real one is gonna be skinner and i throw that out there because i think skinner, you went, huh? yeah i think if you went and pulled 10 15 people out on the street talk to me about leonard skinner they'd say oh yeah the band with like 20 guitars on stage playing 100%. Freebird, you know yeah but you think about firstly Freebird, the band, the song I just mentioned. The intro is the gorgeous organ playing uh, to get you started into the song. You think about Sweet Home Alabama. The outro solo to that is incredibly iconic. Tuesday's gone. You know, um, call me the breeze. Right. The, each of these songs, wow, which have incredible uh, guitar riffs, also yeah, have probably one, just as incredible piano riffs at some point throughout the song and i've even heard certain versions of skinner tunes where they they modify them on stage for live performances and they'll even integrate some more keys um so it's it's one of those situations where can you get by playing skinner with you know drums bass and a few guitars probably but you enhance it greatly by adding in keys if you can get it if you have a key player in your band and you want to cover some skinner songs it's going to make a world of difference um what do you think, Steve? One, one probably most wouldn't think about, but I thought it had to be on the list. You know, I think it's – I like it because I would not have thought about it. Mm-hmm. I bet if I were to go – now, again, I, I am not thinking that Billy Powell is – I think he's a great member of the band. I, I would not have – I'm going to – I agree with you. I would not have instantly jumped to Skinner like you mentioned. Mm. And I would not have suggested that as a result of removing him, you have a different band. But I tend to agree with you because it doesn't have to be front and center, yeah. right? Because like Greg Allman, let's call it what it is. And we, I didn't pick the Allmans. I don't think you did. You take him out. It is a different band. But I don't know that it's 
so different yeah. or that he's so upfront mm-hmm. that it's so radically different. It's a mm-hmm. different band, but I guess this is this is relatively speaking, right? Mm-hmm. Are they like unrecognizable or they're just different? For me, a lot of these bands are unrecognizable. True. Um, and it's great because to um, Freebird and Gary Rosington, if you watch that uh, documentary, here we go again, right? If I leave here tomorrow. Yep. He is so amazingly burnt. I love whenever he talks because <laughs> he talks so slow and he's got the sweet draw because they're all from Jacksonville, right? Yep. And they have that like amazing, you know, they have that that southern charm to them. It's just so brilliant when they when they engage people. And he talks to me, he's like, you yeah, know, Billy just he went down, sat next to the piano and said, if I was gonna play an intro to Freebird, it would be like this. And he's like, and we thought, damn, this guy's all roadie. We fired him as a roadie and brought him in as the keyboard player. And you're like, This is the funniest story oh, I've ever heard. And only Gary Rosington could tell that story, yeah. right? I mean that's fantastic. So it's absolutely brilliant and you gotta give him credit. Billy Powell almost wasn't in the band. Wow. So that's you know, he was carrying like road boxes for these guys that's like all amazing. their guitars right that's so that's a great call man that is a great 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 call um yeah again not a, not a first pick but i i totally see it I, you know you've, you've substantiated it, i like it, it like that thanks steve i'm gonna go the band the band excellent choice i forgot that. i'm gonna go the band with garth hudson um i think it's it's a different you know nothing, you know pun intended right but it's okay. a totally different band without him in it sure uh, um and just like the, you know, the Leslie effect and all these things now, you could say, again, you set it up front. Like, do you, could you pick Stevie Wonder? Yeah, but the guy's like iconic. He's his own guy. You remove Stevie Wonder from the Stevie Wonder band. It's no longer the Stevie, you know what I mean? That's so right. it's not just, but Garth was doing really cool stuff with the piano and the Leslie effect and, um, you know, the weight you hear it, but you also hear it in like up on Cripple Creek, you mm-hmm. hear it on, um, the shape I'm in, the night they drove all Dixie down. Yeah, like, you're right. oh, he, he's there. He's there in all those tunes. And to me, he is by far the best musician in that band. And if I remember when Robbie Robertson's talking about how he entered the band, the guy was like so professional that the only way he would do it, and I think either his relatives would be okay with it. This is in the last waltz, I think, is like if they paid Garth for like teaching them music. It was almost like he was teaching them, you know, giving them lessons. Yeah. And and they that that like legitimized his entry into the band. But anyway, that would be me. I picked the band Garth Hudson. I love it, man. That's a great pick. And that's probably a group that is very underrated. And we, we, we don't talk about it enough, but every once in a while, you know, great great group. I always think about there's um it's a Jason Isbell song. As you know, I'm a big Jason Isbell fan. I talk about uh, it like every episode. Sorry, but, uh, Danko and Manuel. Actually, it's a Drive By Truckers song, but Isbell wrote it. But, uh, you know, those obviously being two of the main guys from the band. Yeah, he's the guy. Yeah, yeah, it's a great little story there and unfortunately ended far too soon. But, um, okay, I'm done with my my legit list. I'll give you uh, my sidebar here. So, Procol Harum. Procol Harum. You know, it's funny because I I never listened to a ton of their music. um, But Whiter Shade of Pale, obviously, right? And Mm -hmm. it was such a unique sound for the period. And they've had a, a number of different uh, key players, keyboardists and piano players, organ players, etc. But I do think that is a sound that um, is pretty distinct. And I think without it, they would sound like a totally different band. And they also, I think, tried to get into a very psychedelic period there where that organ playing was was critical to the way that they delivered their songs. But, uh, yeah. you know, I don't think they made my, my legit list, but certainly a sidebar uh, worthy of a mention. 
I think it's a good one. Um, I had a couple of honorable mentions. I got two from the 80s. I got Duran Duran. Ooh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got Depeche Mode. Well, not the 80s, but, you know, like the late 80s, early 90s. And like all the guys in Depeche Mode played keyboards, so you wonder. (laughs) Um, And the last one is Kansas. How do you not really hear Kansas, right? All honorable mention. I got to tell you, man, I'm very surprised neither one of us picked the doors. Shit, you're right. Good call. No, no, I don't know that it's. I don't know that I would like really? Manzarek. It's all Braden. Yeah, it's iconic, but I don't know. Like enough already, right? Like everyone knows. <laughs> I, I think like they belong in a category by themselves. Yeah. Everyone knows if you take Manzarek out of that band, mm-hmm. they're not the Doors. But it's like it's you know, for me, I think other people deserved some. And you notice I didn't put Rush. You You'll didn't put that. Rush. You with you held back. I like. I it. can't. You well, showed restraint, man. <laughs> I can't because I'm going to turn people off. You've got to, I'd rather the pull effect than the push effect. Yeah. So I like it. Anyway, well, that was good, man. We crushed that one. Good stuff, Steve. All right. Well, let's wrap this up and then we will take it on into our versus segment. But before we do that, I want to talk about an app that we came across recently called Encoda, N K O D A. It's an app that lets you practice, play, and perform sheet music. And they do it in a great way that's very personalized and makes the experience feel seamless. They have tens of thousands of titles, millions of pages of uh, complete works from hundreds of publishers, finest editions from Boozy and Hawks, Baron Ritter, Chester and Novello, etc. They've received praise from Sir Simon Rattle and Joyce DiDonato. And if you want to check out Encoda, N-K-O-D-A, go into your app store and download the free trial now. So it's a great app. Check it out. With that, on with the show. All right, so for verses today, let's talk about James Taylor and Cat Stevens. Two iconic singer-songwriters. Steve, you've wanted to talk about these guys forever, and I feel like it's yeah. long overdue. We finally got to a good singer-songwriter section. Um, give, give me your thoughts on why this was so interesting to you from the get-go, because you were the one who really thought about this topic and these two. You know, we, we've talked a, a, about a lot of different genre and, and you know, pitting bands head-to-head, and, you know, as Versus has evolved over time, I mean, mm-hmm. it's a matter to me uh, it, it, it is, it is a versus in the sense that it's one, I don't want to say against yeah. the other, but we are comparing and contrasting them to me, these two, it would be difficult to pit them against each other. Mm. Like you almost have to determine or you have to show why they're so good. I candidly don't believe either one of these artists gets enough credit yeah. widely, widely speaking. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, of course they're still popular and they tour. I've seen James Taylor a bunch of times mm-hmm. and he's really, really good. And Cat Stevens went through like a transition, right? It, you know, became Yusuf Islam and this oh, sort yeah, of that's thing. Right. And, yeah. Um, so I, I think he sort of became he 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 withdrew from the spotlight and became a bit more religious and sort of you know reemerged in this sort of thing. But there's no doubting. Like I love James Taylor. I heard him in college, and 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 uh, you know, a girl I knew in college was like, "Hey, could you play like Fire and Rain or whatever it is?" And I was like, oh, yeah, 100%. Like, it's got to be easy. <laughs> so I was so humbled by that moment because I was like, I don't even know what he's doing. Yeah. And I knew about capo at the time, but not – and for our listeners, capo is just something you put on the guitar neck and it changes where – it changes the pitch of the guitar and it makes playing a little bit different. Um, 
And the reason James Taylor actually did that, his big thing, it's funny, he does not like to play the C shape on a guitar. He hates it because hmm. there's nothing you can really hammer on. He would rather play the A shape. And the way you achieve that, if you want to play C, you capo at the third fret and then you play the A shape. And now you have C as a chord, but you can hammer sure. on like crazy. And there was an article I read about him a long time ago, and it was, and it, and it said, "If I had a hammer on," which is brilliant because, like, he, everything he does is hammer on, right? Yep. But why it was important is they're both singer songwriters. I think they write they write their own music. They're very they're great musicians and instrumentalists. Um, and and to be able to compare and contrast them, I think might help people. Yeah. Have it be a bit more accessible. You yeah, know what I'm saying? More like everyone knows Fire and Rain sure. and this sort of thing. Yeah. But for me, um, I think I'm taking Cat Stevens. You're taking James Taylor, Let's right? Do it. And you're welcome, by the way, because I know. Because <laughs> getting into Cat Stevens is not the easiest nah. thing from, like, where do I start? Yep. The entree is a little difficult, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, look, man, the guy's a fabulous guitar player. He's not the same. Like, technically, he's not as good as Taylor. I'll be okay. the first person to say that. But okay. the way he plays it is different, and it's very unique to him. He's got, like, a very... He plays finger style, but it's it's mostly thumb, and okay. and and he's got a lot of hammering things that are going on, but not nearly as much as James Taylor. But he mm -hmm. plays the piano. His arrangements are very um, interesting. The lyrics are very interesting. From what I could tell, based on his live show from YouTube, he was really powerful and really into it, and he had his crowds all over the place, and you know, women and men would go nuts for the guy when he was playing. Um, but to me, I mean, the songs speak for themselves, right? Like the T for the, like I, Sweet Baby James was on our favorite album episode. So mm -hmm. it just goes to yep, show how much I love right. James Taylor. But T for the Tillman, the first time I heard that, the opening track is Where Do the Children Play? And I was like, huh. And then you hear it. It's like, it's like this, it's like a treatise on uh, globalization and mm -hmm. modernization, right? And just like, you kind of want to be like, oh, it's being preached to me, but it's right. not. It's mm -hmm. written in a way that you're like, I totally get it. Makes sense. Um, but, dude, I got to tell you, there's a song called A Hard-Headed Woman. I love it. It's not well known. I kind of want to play it at the gig. Okay. But, um, dude, think about it. He's got songs that people cover, like Wild World. Everybody covers that tune. That's true. Yep. People don't know it's a Cat Stevens tune either, yeah. right? Um, the first cut is the deepest. Everyone's like, oh, Sheryl Crow wrote that? No. Cat <laughs> Stevens wrote it. Yep. Father and son, if anybody, oh, obvi obviously, if, if you're a dad and yep. you have a son or you, you had you know a relationship with your father when you were younger in a way that was a bit more authoritarian, the way the song is written is be it's brilliant. It makes right? you like want to cry. It was in well, Guardians of the Galaxy is, too. Remember, yeah, great song. One hundred percent, great song. The, the father part is very sort of like not over. It's like authoritarian and very confident, but that the son is rebellious when he sings that part. It's just so good. Mm -hmm. um, and longer boats and all these tunes into white. Into white happens to be my favorite Cat Stevens tune. No kidding. And it's oh, it's just so great. Um, but dude, there's no doubting. I mean, Sweet Baby James. Like I said, I've seen James Taylor live, and the funny thing That's is, cool. is like. My buddy and I were like, he moves the capo on the guitar while he's playing in the that's same song. Insane. And you're just like, that's so insane. unfair, dude, mm -hmm. to be that good. But I don't know, man. What do you think? I mean, I know you you probably know both of them, and but that that would be my my first pass at that. Yeah, know? and that's I think that's a very fair, unbiased review of the two together. Um, I still think, you know, if I had to pick even after this, James Taylor would still be the guy. Um, not only do I think his songs are more accessible, but I think, to your point, uh, I appreciate his guitar playing quite a bit. I think his voice is pretty amazing. It um, is. And his songwriting, I think, is fantastic as well. And just a few stats here on Taylor that I pulled up. 
Rock Hall in 2000, uh, one of the best-selling artists of all time. Uh, I thought this was really cool. He was actually the first artist that was signed to Apple Records, the Beatles label. Mm -hmm. So the Beatles actively sought him out and said, you know what, let's get this guy on the label. That's amazing. I mean, of of all the stats to have under your your wing, that is is one I'd be most proud of. He has some great covers, like how sweet it is. Uh, Each album released between 77 and 2000 sold over a million copies. So it's still very relevant. His greatest hits album from 76 is Certified Diamond. And obviously it's been hit after hit, right? You've had Fire and Rain, You've Got a Friend, Mexico, Carolina in My Mind. Uh, All these great songs. We could just go down the list. There's so many. But I I really do appreciate uh, when we do these types of verses because it gives me an opportunity to dig into each of these artists. And what I actually do, it's funny. I put my kids through the ringer here too because what we do before bedtime (laughs) is I'll pop open their Alexa and we'll start listening to some tunes and I usually listen to the two bands that we have for the most recent versus segment so you can imagine what it was like for Black Sabbath versus Metallica my my, my kids got quite an interesting week there but when we're doing James Taylor and Cat Stevens you you put it on you say to yourself wow there's some really great stuff that I haven't heard or haven't heard in a long time so it really helps you and appreciate these artists more so and as you were talking about with James Taylor I watched a little bit of a, a documentary on him and first of all, I had no idea he had this massive drug addiction for 20 years and was able to get out of it alive, which is incredible. Yeah, he was a but mess. Secondly, when you talked about his uh, the way he plays open chords, it was interesting because back then, obviously, there was you know no YouTube. Uh, your instructional videos were basically like if you knew somebody who had a guitar uh, or you listened to records, and that was pretty much what you could do. So when he got his first guitar, he would find the bass note and then let the rest of his fingers fall into a proper chord triad. So he would find the third and the fifth after he landed the root. And when you do it that way, you don't always come up with the exact same placement for your fingers that you would in a traditional guitar playing setting. Mm. So all of his chords look so different than the way you or I would play them. Yeah, the D and the A are all banged up. It's insane. And you watch some of the videos of him playing and you have like fingers going under fingers on top, this, that. It's amazing. So I have a great appreciation for his skill and ability. And if I had to sit down and listen to one of the two, sure, Cat Stevens I think has some some great hits uh, that are iconic, but I could probably listen to James Taylor's entire catalog uh, start to finish. Yeah, you know, yeah, he was a mess. You know, the Beatle thing, you've got something, which is the Harrison right. tune, and then you've got right. something in the way, yep. mm-hmm. she moves, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. And it's the sa- it's literally the same song lyric, yep. right? So um, it, it just goes to show you there probably was some, uh, there probably was some sharing of ideas there. But yeah. yeah, no, James Taylor, there's a book called Fire and Rain that was great. I read that. He ended up based on his... His father went and got him, like drove from North Carolina yes. in the family stay away, right. got him from the village, brought him back. He was a mess. Yep. I think he ended up in a hospital, but it was like an insane asylum, wow. which were like, I guess they segregated to like help him get out of drugs. Right. Yep. So he tells, he talks about, I mean, he wasn't, you know, committed, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but it, but it was, he talks about that, which is just a little shocking, but yeah, you know, it's funny the the tiny desk NPR concerts with with Cat Stevens or Yusuf is really, really, really great. And the guy can still sing. He can still play. But James Taylor's fantastic. You know, like I said, my 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 favorite one of my favorite albums is Sweet Baby James and Blossom happens to be one of my favorite songs of all time that he wrote with Carol King. Great. Meaning great James too. Taylor. Um, 
and sunny skies all of the tunes on that on that album uh, anywhere um like heaven i mean it he's just so good i think cat stevens has more like the volume of songs mm. right are are a bit more relevant with mm-hmm. cat like i think his catalog is a bit more consistent and, mm-hmm. and deeper I mean, taylor's obviously got some fantastic tunes there's sure. no doubt about that but and i think he i think the way cat tells the story he is it's a storyteller. Yeah, yeah, it's not as head-on as James Taylor. Yeah. And again, I'm not Makes saying that's a for bad it. thing. Makes you work for it a little. He, exactly. Like, I think we talked, like, so Jim Croce, there's a song called Operator. He's talking about breaking up with his girlfriend, but he's telling it through the eyes or, or whatever, through the ears, so to speak, of a telephone operator who is calling for information to find her number, right? Like, that's not, that's telling a very cool story, but with, like, this, you know, this third party. Cat Stevens found a way to sort of do that. So I think his his setting up of the song. Yeah is a little bit more creative if you yeah, want to say I not not as not as direct yeah as james Taylor. but look for me and you and i said this you can't go wrong with either one of these no, artists i'm not a great shape so but uh but yeah that, that's so so good they're still great today and and you know we're lucky candidly to, to be able to listen to them so it's very cool and before we get into sounds from the rhythm section you know i just want to highlight once again as we often do for the rhythm section Send us ideas. Actually, right now, Steve and I are going through looking to map out a 2020 calendar, not only for topics, but for verses as well. So if there's interesting bands, musicians you want pegged up against one another, send them in. We'll consider them, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get them out there next year. Absolutely. Okay, let's move on into sounds from the rhythm section. Yeah, let's do it. We have a, a lovely note here from Sabrina, who I think is a repeat offender at this point. Oh, I yeah. Love that. yeah. I love we've, that. We've locked her in. He locked her in. That's it. <laughs> okay, so she goes, Dear music lovers, wondering you if you would ever consider a tribute to funk slash R&B with the likes of Tower of Power, Graham Motion, the Crusaders, etc. And then she says, I have to thank you for the Young Fables discovery. Saw them in Nashville and again last week at the bitter end. Uh, so thanks for the notes, Sabrina. Firstly, for your Young Fables discovery. So happy to hear that. Actually, I did just speak with uh, Laurel today. They're doing great, and it sounds like uh, you know they've they've made their rounds. Another tour up to New York, which was fantastic. Did you go to that show? Uh, unfortunately, end? no. I wanted no. to, couldn't get there. But uh, but it sounds like it went really well, and I'm glad to see Sabrina made it out for it. So that's awesome. Yeah, and any really. other time that we can have new bands or other bands on the show, we'll do it and hopefully bring it out to you guys. But back to her first question, tribute to Funk, Steve. What do you think? I, it's like embarrassing you know? that like somebody has to point it out to us that <laughs> that overtly that we've we've looked over it. So of yep. course, not only are we considering it, I'm considering it right now. That's great. And uh, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll do it if you're game. Yeah, I, let's let's do it. Yeah, we gotta. I gotta study. I gotta study a lot. I don't. This is not my. That's a good forte. thing, though, man. It's not my will forte, but we'll uh, we'll figure it out. We'll get that's there. That's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, uh, I think that's it for yeah. the show today. Um, as always, you can, oh, before I forget, you know what I did want to mention, Steve, that we didn't talk oh, about? What do you got? John Frusciante. The rock is gods back have answered our prayers. He is back in the chili peppers. Thank the good How heavens. do we not talk about that? We, I will do anything to get tickets. I hope there's a tour coming out soon. No, I'm, go- I'm going. We're what going. do you mean hope? That's We're it. going. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't care. We're I going. saw them with Josh, you know, Klinghoffer a few years yeah. back, and it was fine. You know, yeah, he did good. what he needed to do. I actually yeah, was pretty impressed with his ability to replicate a lot of Frusciante's movements. Yeah, you feel bad for Hired Guns, man. I'm you sure do. he was. He's, I'm sure he's a brilliant guitar he's player. the greatest it's just, guy, right? He's different, right? Yeah. And now people it. are so psyched that he's gone. Yeah. And Frusciante's back. So. Sure. 
even my kids were talking to me about it. They're like, can we go see the chili peppers? I was like, I might be going with Steve. Maybe you guys come with me. We'll see. The answer so, is yes. That's it. <laughs> wow. Great poll, man. That's so, you know, and again, I finished scar tissue a long time ago, which is key. This is biography and, or autobio and, yep. and acid for, you know, they talk about the Hillel Slovak chilies oh, yeah. sure. a lot. Mm-hmm. And he was like really best friends. Flea, yes. he and Flea were like best friends. They died. He was like yep. devastated. So I'm not I'm not poo-pooing or like deriding that that version of the chilies, but for me it's always gonna be when Frashante was in the band. Couldn't it's just me more. personally. I like that sound better yep. and you know it is what it is. I'm right there with you hundred so percent. I, I can't wait. I'm sure they're gonna put another album out. It's gonna be Finage. So looking looking very forward to it. Yeah, man. All right. Well, as always, contact us at music and theory podcast at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on Facebook. You can uh, take a look at us on Instagram as well. And, uh, you know, we're also available on Cyber FM, first Monday of every month, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. So download that app if you haven't done so already. And with that, I think that wraps the show. We'll catch up with you all in 2020. So rock on. Bye for now. Bye for now.